0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with our post-Republican debate on the eve of the big Florida and Ohio primaries. We are lucky to be joined by John McCormick, who has just started to sober up after all the power drinking he was doing during the debate. Is that right, John? (laughs)
1: Uh, I I managed a whole lot the entire debate.
0: Well, my power drinking was coffee to try to stay awake, so maybe that was a slight difference. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So what happened in tonight's debate?
1: Uh, you know, it was it was not the debate that we saw the last two times. Uh the last uh, couple of debates were very combative and uh tonight it, it it wasn't. It was a more of a substantive debate. Um I think that a lot of conservatives were disappointed that uh Trump critics are disappointed that the candidates didn't uh really go after Trump hard. Um I think they did draw some contrasts on policy. You know, Mark Rubia said that you know Trump's numbers didn't add up. Uh, his policy was anti-israel objectively um you know he explained that his his comments on on islam were uh you know going to endanger the lives of americans abroad and also didn't appreciate the sacrifices of uh, american soldiers who fought and died for this country who happen to be muslim um so i thought it was substantive i thought the review had a great answer on cuba and, and showing that trump just didn't know what he's talking about so in that sense that it was good that it was a, it was a substantive policy debate and the other candidates had a chance to be positive and show that they were knowledgeable. And uh, Trump showed that he was not knowledgeable. Now, I don't know. The big question is, did they need to show that he is a, you know, someone who doesn't know anything who is unhinged as they've done in the debates before South Carolina and in the last two debates, uh, obviously that didn't, you know, stop him uh, from a big Michigan win on Tuesday. Uh, so they, they tried something different. Now, will that work? Uh, come this big, big, big uh, vote coming up in four days, five days? Um, I don't know. That's a big question. Uh,
0: what was the moment that you think will survive beyond tomorrow morning's newspapers? Was there one?
1: Was there a single moment? Um, I think people will be talking about how, you know, Trump talked about how it was, uh, I can't believe how civil this debate was. I don't think there was really a big firework, any big fireworks. Um, I think that Rubio had a few moments that were very good. You know, he he tugged at the heartstrings of uh, the elderly voters in Florida by talking about the old man who uh, gets out of the hospital and goes and holds up a Marco Rubio sign every day. And, you know, he had substantive... Uh, so I don't think there was not there were, were there are no fireworks. So I think mm-hmm. that's what that's what sells. And I don't know. Did you think that there were any any real moments that will stand out from this debate as, as highlights going into the next few days? Uh,
0: no. In fact, uh, what was interesting to me is watching how Donald Trump was trying to show what a Donald Trump looking presidential is going to look like. And it gave me less confidence in his ability to uh, debate successfully with Hillary Clinton, not just because of the repeated statements of demonstrable falsehoods, like "I'm beating her in all the polls," and "I can cut a trillion dollars a year with race fraud and abuse," and "I never said what I just said four minutes ago," and on and on and on, which we're all familiar with with Trump. But uh, he he didn't he didn't look presidential. He looked placid, and I, you know, I I am. Uh, Getting to the point, uh, in, in a recent podcast, Bill Crystal tried to talk me out of it. He said, "It's time for despair, but not defeat." Uh, John, I'm awful close to defeat here. <laughs> I, you know, when Donald Trump has a bad debate performance, his polls go up. When he has a good debate performance, his polls go up. Tonight, I don't see any reason why that'll be any different. Um, well, 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 just since, since you've
1: taken the despair and defeat uh, approach, I'll try and give my excellent uh, counter example, which is that. Um, it, despite as, as much fun as it's been for conservatives to watch uh, Donald Trump get pummeled, uh, it didn't really bring his numbers down in any of these last two debates. All we've seen is that the undecided vote has snapped to a candidate like Rubio in Virginia, or then to Cruz in Louisiana and Kentucky, or to Kasich and Cruz in Michigan. So um, maybe the candidates have correctly realized that they can't, take Trump's 36% and bring it down to 30%. Their only hope is getting their own numbers up past uh, 36 37%. Right. And the way you do that is by being positive, because honestly, people who are not political junkies, uh, they don't like the infighting as much as we do. Uh, uh, the, the comments I have heard most about Marco Rubio supporters, even some honestly, people who are undecided in South Carolina, that was the last time I was on the road. Uh, deciding between Trump and Rubio is, uh, they, you know, they like Trump. He's a he's a doer, he's a go-getter. You know, he's a businessman. Rubio he's got a really positive vision and, and knows a lot. Of, you know, has has answers right. on the policy. So I mean, t- to to get away from the food fight, um, you know, I, th- I think he could have done more. I think that you definitely. Uh, you know, step back and, and criticize them a little bit. I do think you could have drawn some sharper contrast. I do think that when you know Donald Trump, you know, reverses his position in ISIS, you can say, listen, this is why this man is not fit to be commander in chief. He, he goes whichever way the wind blows, you know, when the polls were, were one way, he thought he said, why are we fighting ISIS? Now he's saying that we should be bombing the crap out of them. Now we should be sending 20 to 30,000 troops. And after them, I mean, I think that you do need to show voters, um, that this guy is is unusual you know otherwise you might get a bandwagoning effect um i, I just don't know i mean in, in terms of wh- whether you should despair or not it, it all depends on tuesday night you know if uh, Kasich can pull out a win in ohio i think that the uh, the not trump forces are doing uh pretty well uh, they'll be doing well especially if Cruz can pull out a win in missouri which splits their delegates up on a winner take all basis by uh, Congressional district mostly. And, um, you know, Rubio winning Florida, it, it seems like a long shot. Now there are a bunch of polls showing him, you know, down five to nine points. And then a bunch of polls showing him down by 20 to 23 points. So I'm not sure which batch of those polls are, are, are accurate. Right. Um, one is obviously much, much easier to overcome than the other. Um, but I just don't know, you know, we've been proven wrong so much that I'm going to try and, uh, see if there, that, that the positive substantive approach, um, Maybe this will work.
0: There's a difference between positive and timid, and you know, for the for example, when the H-1B visa issue came up right up front, it was a great opportunity to confront Donald Trump with his flip-flops on the issue to remind people if you really care about protecting. Uh, uh, high-skilled Americans from cheaper foreign labor being brought into the United States, if you care, and that's obviously an issue for some Trump supporters. Here's you know a problem. Here's why you can't trust him. And instead, they were tiptoeing around him. I, it remind me of, uh, of, if you're a fan of the Avengers movies, when they send Natasha Romanoff to go meet Bruce Banner, who's really the Hulk for the first time. <laughs> She's being quiet and calm. And they were doing it for the same reason, because they were afraid that if they upset Trump, he would just Hulk smash and boom, you'll crush them right on the stage.
1: That's right, but I mean, they, they, they did draw contrast. Like I said, you know, I think Rubio's Cuba answer was all about how Trump didn't know what he was talking about, and the mm-hmm. deal that is a good deal is this deal because, uh you know, and and I thought Trump did seem like he didn't know what he was doing, and he did seem like he was a, a complete lack um, for any substantive answers. And you know, and and Rubio, yeah, he should have done more. I mean, if he was mm-hmm. going to go after him on substance on policy, he could have could have drawn much sharper contrasts without, you know, having the personal insults. Sure. I completely agree with that. Um, but there were some, uh, uh, and I don't know if they were worried that it was just going to descend well, into, like, if you're right, that they were worried it was going to descend into um, a total food fight, and they didn't want that going into Tuesday. Uh,
0: um, but so, like I
1: said, you know, they preserved, They preserved if they, preserve, they, preserve they saved John Kasich getting over the finish line in Ohio, um, this debate will have been uh, very important for the never-Trump
0: well, there's one legitimate reason to be worried about upsetting Trump, and that is that his campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, may run in from off stage and shove you while you're right there. And of course, I'm referring to the uh, incident involving a uh, Breitbart reporter that was uh, obliquely referenced by the debaters or asking about incidents of violence at Trump's events. And I'm curious. I think that that's one of those topics that for the people who are listening who are uh, political junkies and spend a lot of time on conservative Twitter, it was all over the place today. And the issue of the violences rallies, there's a video of a of a, a black uh, a rally attendee, maybe a protester, whatever, being cold, you know, just punched right in the face by a guy as he walked by. Uh, and there've been several incidents now of violence at Trump's rallies. Uh, but I don't know that that, resonates with Trump, with, you know, beyond the uh, the media folks who are concerned about a reporter getting shoved around by the campaign. Do you think that's an issue issue, John, or is that a media issue?
1: I think it could be an issue. I mean, I think it's a lot more effective if you actually have the video of the guy getting punched in the face, and then you have Trump's comments, and then you play back his comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think it was quite as effective for the television viewing audience to uh, hear those comments just simply read back by Jake Tapper. It was a good question. Uh, I do think a tougher question would have been asking about uh, Michelle Fields uh, being pulled down and yanked around like a rag doll, reportedly, um, and bruised by his campaign manager. I do think that Trump he obviously bears responsibility for the uh, his comments and his rhetoric encouraging violence and uh, at, at his rallies. But I think he bears much more responsibility for the continued employment. Of his uh, campaign manager. And so it was I thought it was unfortunate that they couldn't have worked in uh, one little follow up question on that. You know, it would have taken an extra 60 seconds.
0: Any surprise uh, from any surprise from you or any of your media colleagues at the Trump strategy in this uh, Michelle Field story is to continue to trash her. Uh, accuse her of being a liar. They uh, started off by acknowledging something happened and but saying it was no big deal then they denied anything happened at all. Then they started saying, well you know she's just an attention hound. Uh, I mean they, it really you know, the, the stereotype, of how you know female victims of violence are treated, they are living out the stereotype. I I've heard from some media people who seem really worried about this, like this is setting a new bar for the treatment of the press, and they haven't been too happy with the Trump people and the way they're called out at rallies in the first place. You've been at those rallies. Is is this something that's bigger than just uh, a couple of incidents?
1: Well, it's a, it's a very creepy uh, media environment to be in. You know, you, you're you're kept in a steel pen basically a press pen and you know trump will occasionally you know make comments uh to the back okay. of the room you know uh one and one you know he began a speech almost sounding like uh hannibal lecter and science for the Lambs, saying, <laughs> hello press hello press we love you press and you're kind of worried you're gonna uh,
0: you see the fava beans up. in the chianti and you get a little nervous huh
1: Yeah, it's it's a little uncomfortable. And so, you know, at at one, you know, they've got these threatening words at the bottom of every email saying that uh, you must stay inside the pen. Mm. Uh, I snuck out, but I was luckily standing close enough to Byron York, the Washington Examiner, that I I think that Trump's main main goon, his private security guy, was kind of hovering a few feet behind us. But we weren't... uh, causing any trouble so he did not punch us in the face or or throw us <laughs> to the ground or anything like that but um yeah I, I think I think it is a problem and you know it really I hope that this story is pursued because I do think that Trump Trump campaign probably since Breitbart is such a Trump friendly pro-Trump uh, website that they could have buried the story with a simple apology and some excuse saying that you know I was worried I mean they could have made up right, exactly I, they already make up everything
0: Well, it it sounds terrible when you describe being shouted at while you're in a pen. But then I think, you know, if you put the press, all the press in a metal cage, that would include Chris Matthews and Geraldo Rivera. So I'm rethinking my take on this, John McCormick. But meanwhile, thanks so much for joining us for this post-debate reaction podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.